Welcome to Publishing Gravel, the podcast that breaks the rules and helps you kickstart your career as a successful nonfiction author and entrepreneur. I'm your host, Malena Benson. In this episode, I talk to Mark Schaefer. We are talking personal branding and business resilience during major crises. If you were listening to the first two parts of the audiobook, you are already familiar with Mark Schaefer. He is a globally recognized keynote speaker, educator, business consultant, and author. His seven best-selling marketing books have been translated into 12 languages and are used as textbooks at more than 50 universities. He is the co-host of The Marketing Companion, one of the top 10 marketing podcasts on iTunes, and his blog, Grow, is hailed as one of the top marketing blogs in the world. And he is also a regular contributing columnist to the Harvard Business Review. Mark is very popular as an international keynote speaker, and this has been a big part of his business. This interview was recorded in the first weeks of the coronavirus, before Mark himself became sick. Fortunately, he is well again and just celebrated his 60th birthday. Before launching this episode, I wanted to make sure that Mark was 100% okay again. At the time of this recording, Mark's business had taken a hit due to the cancellations of booked speaking engagements. I love the honesty and sincerity Mark displays in this interview and how he nails the one thing that will keep him floating. Let's jump into the interview. So, Mark, welcome to the show. I'm delighted to be here. Nice to see you again. I so much appreciate you taking your time to do this. And while we're recording this, we are in the very beginning of the coronavirus. And I've heard that you've been talking a lot about the new normal. And I thought this could be an interesting topic for today. But first, I would love to hear your story as an entrepreneur. And what kind of business is it that you have now? Um, I worked in the corporate world for uh, more than 20 years. Had a great career, by the way. I mean, I really, uh, I worked for a, a very, very well-run Fortune 100 company. Um, but it got to a place in my career where I was in a job for a, a, a while and had been doing very well in the job, but I wanted something new. And my company wanted me to move to Switzerland. And um, I kind of went back and forth with it. But at the time, I met the woman who I was going to marry. <laughs> and she had two children at home and still in high school and couldn't move to Switzerland. And so I tried to figure out what to do. And I just decided, look, I'm going to stay in uh, Tennessee where I live today. It's my home. And I'm going to marry this woman and I'm going to try something different. So I had been doing some consulting on the side um, for a while. So I was testing things uh, like many people do. And then um, so I started consulting and I started teaching. And, uh, you know, I had a financial buffer. Uh, I was in a good place in my life. My children's college had been paid for. And so it worked out great. Uh, I've had no regrets. Uh, my business has grown every single year. It's been a record year uh, and has gone up, up, up. And, uh, you know, uh, I also share this commonality with 
many people listening today that, you know, I'm facing tough times because of this coronavirus. Uh, a lot of my income comes from public speaking. That has evaporated. Uh, I come, a lot of my income comes from consulting. Uh, almost all of that has evaporated. And the reason is, let me give you just a quick example. Um, I've been working with this really great company in Miami. And uh, like two weeks ago, they said, oh, you know, we need to talk to you because we need to reconfigure our social media strategy. I said, okay, what time works for you? And then I never heard back from them. So I circled back, sent an email, and I said, do you still want to meet? And they said, well, look, our whole business is in crisis right now. Our supply chain is up in the air. Uh, our, our business is down 50%. And we are in full crisis mode. So like many people listening, um, you know, last week or two weeks ago, I was relevant. And this week, I'm not. Which sort of brings us to the first lesson about how do we navigate these times? And we really need to... Um, look at how are we relevant in this moment? Uh, you, you know, I have to rethink about what are my skills? What are my services? What are my uh, core competencies? And how do I apply that effectively into what's going on today? And uh, you had mentioned these Facebook live sessions that I'm doing. The topic that I talked about today was that a lot of these temporary things are going to turn into long-term habits and traditions. So we need to look very carefully at, you know, if this thing goes on for weeks and months, a lot of the ways we approach working from home, business travel, food, relationships with our family, as we're trying to learn how we, you know, work and, you know, with kids crawling all over us, right? Um, those are going to become long-term changes and shifts in patterns. So, the, the, I mean, the first thing we need to do is really sort of like reevaluate, are we still relevant today? And start thinking through, are we going to be relevant, you know, six months from now uh, as this thing, as this thing goes on. Do you expect a, a lot of us will need to change our businesses a lot? Well, you know, it, it depends. I, I always say that the answer to every marketing question is it depends. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, whenever I hear words like all or a lot, that's really hard to say. Um, you know, I, I do think that um, uh, I think the world is, is going to be different in some fundamental ways. Now, you know, I want to emphasize that there are a lot of businesses that are thriving right now. And even though we're in a, a down place right now, there's also a ton of opportunity. What's good business about? What's good marketing about? It's about meeting unmet or underserved customer needs. And right now, there are a lot of unmet and underserved customer needs, right? So let me give you an example that sort of inspires me. I got an email a few days ago from a local rancher. I live here in Tennessee, and he's a rancher. He's a guy that grows cattle. And the email said, 
well, you know, I know that you enjoy eating out at a lot of our local restaurants and you can't do that anymore. I will bring our steaks to you. Now, here's a fella who's reimagined. This is a B2B business, right? He's reimagining his business for this moment. What's his problem? What's my problem? He's got cows sitting around. He doesn't know what, well, they probably don't sit around, but probably stand around. And uh, what's he going to do with these cows? And here are all these people in his community who, you know, are afraid about getting enough food. I mean, look, I was, you know, I went to Kroger. There are no steaks. And by the way, so we've been trying to use this, this, this uh, grocery store app where you can like you can buy all the stuff and then they'll bring it to your car. Yeah. For the next 2 days, there are no slots. Oh. <laughs> it's not an option. No. Oh. Right? So, here's a guy that's reimagining his business and meeting an unmet need and he's going to do great. And it, that's sort of inspiring to me because I mean, if this guy can think out of the box like that, there's probably a lot of opportunities for us too. I know one of the recommendations that I always heard you talk about was that marketing is, is about non-conformity. So that when everybody yes. else is seeking, you are sagging. This is definitely right. an opportunity for practicing. It's definitely an opportunity. You know, if I, I think if you just, you know, a lot of people are are trying to hold on to what they have, and and that might be okay, and they're trying to still advertise and market in the same way that might be okay but it's probably not you know we need to really look at what are the new opportunities and you know like i said you know i'm most of the things i do right now is irrelevant right if i go out right now and i advertise and market like crazy and say i am the best public speaker you can hire It's yeah. going to be a complete waste of time. There are no conferences, even though you are, <laughs> even though I am. I've seen you twice. You are. <laughs> You've seen me in action, right? It's not just a speech; it's an event. It is. <laughs> so, but 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 my my point is, and that's maybe an extreme example that literally nobody needs me as a speaker right now. Nobody. I've got a few things, you know, kind of hanging out there. But, you know, let's say I'm at least 90% less relevant than I was three weeks ago. I got to let that go. And I have to think, what are my skills that I can apply to right now? Yeah. And so, you know, one of the things I've been doing is this Facebook Live that you mentioned. You know, I, I have a master's degree in applied behavioral sciences. I'm a coach. I'm a counselor. You know, and and so that's something that I'm really, really good at. Yeah. And I have a thing on my site where people can sign up for an hour of my time and I do this individual coaching and I'm really good at it. So I thought, okay, this is something I'm good at and it's something that people need. So how do I make that? How do I reach more people? And I mean, I think the first first one I did had like, you know, over a thousand people watch it. Uh, the second one, I think it's getting close to a thousand. And I did the third one today. I'm going to do it every Tuesday and Friday at 10 a.m. Central Time. So that's, you know, I, 
I don't really expect it's going to lead to more business, but uh, at least directly. But it, you know, it's just it shows who I am. You know, le- leaders dispense hope, and that's my job right now. That's what I was built to do: is to dispense hope and help people and coach people. I've been doing that since I was a kid. Uh, and so that's what I'm going to do. That's how I've got to pivot in this world right now. I think that quite often, especially when you're a personal brand, some needs might have changed, but quite often it's also the way that you serve that might need to change. Yeah. Well, let's let's get into that a little bit because this is certainly a message that I want to emphasize today, this idea of personal brand. And I hit this really hard on my on my Facebook Live video today because it's something that I am so passionate about. And um, you know, one of the things I, I write about in in uh, Marketing Rebellion, which I know you know you you know that book, Marketing Rebellion. You know, one of the things I emphasize is that increasingly the personal brand is the brand, and this is something it took me. A long time to figure this out. Uh, you know, I had my comp. I started my company in two thousand and eight, and if you can believe this, Moline, I didn't even have my face on the front of my website till two thousand and sixteen, because I was j- I just wanted to be behind the scenes, and then I finally just gave up, and I realized people want me. People love me. I am the face. I am the brand. And increasingly, that's the way it is for all businesses, even big businesses. Yeah. You know, think an example is like Tesla. Tesla has been around as a company for 10 years. Tesla has a higher market value than Ford Motor Company. How is that possible? I think a lot of what's built into that is the trust and love of Elon Musk. Yeah. Now, he's an imperfect person, but he's a real person, and he's a person that a lot of people believe in. He is a great entrepreneur of our age and of our generation, and I think that's a big part of the value. Who's the person that you love at Ford? Who's the person that you love at Verizon or your cable company? There isn't anybody, yeah. but think about your local community and the business leaders that you trust, right? Trust in businesses, brands, and advertising has declined 11 years in a row. But who do people trust today? Each other. They trust business owners, business founders, technical experts, their friends, their neighbors, real people. So it's so important to build your personal brand. You need to be known, especially if we're going into a recession and we're projecting, you know, 11% 11% unemployment, uh, you know, who knows? There, there's Everything's up in the air right now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, most econ- like the survey of economists are basically saying there's about an 88% chance we're going to go into this recession. 11% unemployment is what they're projecting. Now, if you're someone who's known and the other person who's interviewing isn't, you're going to get the job because they've heard about you. There's an emotional connection somehow to you. Let me give you a quick example. I'm sorry. You probably have lots of other questions. (laughs) I feel so passionate about this. A few years ago, I was interviewing for the biggest 
consultant contract of my life. It was with the U.S. Air Force. So they were interviewing me, and they were on a Skype call, and these people from the procurement department uh, from the Air Force were on the other side of Skype. And I started explaining why I was the best candidate for this consulting job. And 90 seconds into my discussion, the procurement director of the Air Force interrupted me and said, oh, Mr. Schaefer, we all know who you are. We all read your blog. I knew at that moment I had the job. Nothing else mattered. It didn't even matter what the price was. I had the job because they knew me. They liked me. They trusted me. They knew how I thought. They knew what I stand for because they had created this emotional connection to me through my content, and they hadn't done that with others. And today, that is the only sustainable point of differentiation any of us have. Either you're known or you're not. Now, I know a lot of your people that are listening to you have left the corporate world. Now, when I was in the corporate world, as I mentioned, I was the global director of e-business for a Fortune 100 company. I was the go-to person for everything about the internet and CRM and e-commerce. I had seven patents, two master's degrees, you know, all these years of business experience. I ran a global team. I won two chairman's awards. As far as I know, I was the only person in the whole company that won two chairman's awards. Then I left. And down comes the veil of silence, right? I was working hard on this job, and then I left and started my own thing, and there's the veil of silence. And suddenly, I was the go-to guy for nothing. Nobody knew what I did at Alcoa. Nobody cared. Nobody cared I had patents. Nobody even knows that today, really. Nobody knows I won. It was, I, I was irrelevant. I had to create my new relevance because the only thing that matters today is not what you did in the past. Are you known or not? That's it. So I wrote this book called Known. Known, I mean, I've worked on this book for two years, and this is the process. You know, I'm not a bragging type of person, as you know, but this book nails it. And I'm not talking about becoming famous like Kim Kardashian. This is creating the presence, reputation, and authority you need to get your job done. And I'm just begging everybody, if you're not working on your personal brand now, it's not too late. Start right now and get going on it because the times, I think, are going to get tougher. I want to refer back to the situation where you are in that sales meeting and they say that they already know who you are. So in terms of a sales process and what is, in fact, a sales situation, I think you're also touching upon that we quite often think that happens in a specific one moment and we've prepared for it, we planned it, now we're sitting there in front of the person and now we're going to close it. <laughs> but but really that process happened before you even entered that sales conversation. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, look, there's, you know, I don't, I never tell people what, what, what to do, you know, and there's a lot of experienced business people listening today and maybe they have very experienced processes, but all I want to do is just sort of 
open people's eyes to the way the world really is now and at least present that as as an option. I mean, everybody has a personal brand, right? A personal brand is just what people think about you. So why not be intentional about it? Why not amplify that? You know, amplify you at your best. What's what can possibly go wrong with that? If you're good at what you do, how do you amplify that and become become known in a bigger way? Because if you're known and the competition isn't, you will get more calls returned. You will more doors will, will open. You know, there was a perfect example in my life yesterday. Someone was trying to sell me some course on LinkedIn. And I went back to the guy and I said, I, you know, I have no interest in this. And he came back and he said, Can I ask why? I said, because right now everybody's putting these online courses out there. I don't know you. I don't know you. I don't trust you. I'm not going to waste my precious time looking at this, let alone give you money. Now, if this was somebody who I had heard of, if it was someone that I knew of, even if they weren't like a personal friend, but someone I had heard of, someone I've respected through their online presence, Absolutely, I would open it. I would at least open up the door. And then, you know, it depends on, you know, do you deliver the goods? Am I going to give you the money or not? But I mean, today I get pitched on something 25 times a day. I never even open the emails unless I know who sent it, right? That's what what this is. That's what this is about. Okay, so let's dive into the framework that you share in Known. Yeah. Well, so, uh, you know, the, the problem I'm solving in this book is really to try to figure out, can anybody become known? So I did, it took me about two years to write this book and there's just no good research out there. Really the, you know, what people write about personal branding is horrible. It's just horrible. It's like, you know, if you can dream it, you can be it. If you can believe it, you can become it. And the world just does not work that way, right? That's fluff. I wanted to look at what is the science? What is the data? How does business really work? How do people really get ahead in this world? And then I took it a step further and did my own original research. I interviewed 97 people who are known in their field, wealth management, uh, education, real estate, construction, music, art, you know, all these different fields in, you know, all around the world. And what I found is every single person did the same four things, no exceptions. And so that's, that's what I built the book on. That's what I built the framework on. And by the way, since I wrote the book, I still haven't heard of a single exception. This is what they do. So, uh, you know, to make it short, very, very quickly, what the, what the main four steps are is number one, you need to spend time really discerning what you want to be known for. And that's not necessarily your passion. You know, you, it has to be something that you love, but there also has to be an audience big enough to care about it for you to succeed. So I've got exercises in the book for every one of these steps to help people think it through. So number one, you sort of have to determine what is your story? What is it about me that's going to be compelling to the audience that I have in mind. Number two, then you have to look at, all right, I have a story. Where am I going to tell it? Is there a space I can sort of own? 
Number three, you have to say, okay, how am I going to tell this story? What kind of content am I going to produce? That's the fuel of the personal brand. And this is where a lot of people kind of get roll their eyes and, oh, you know, uh, this is so overwhelming. Do I need to be on Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn? And what I, what I, I go through this process to say, no, it's not overwhelming. You have four choices. You pick one. You do that. You have you pick the one that you're going to have the most fun with. That's how you tell your story. Do it every week. You know, don't give up. Keep on going. Here's, I've got a whole chapter on measuring it. Here's how to figure out if it's working. And then the fourth step is you have to build an actionable audience. Now, that's different than a social media audience. A social media audience is potential, right? It can expose you to people that you never had an opportunity to get to know before. But they, they won't take action with you. They won't buy something from you until you have that emotional connection. A lot of time that comes from your content. For me and you, it comes from meeting face-to-face. We were social media connections, but we didn't know each other. And now here we are, we're collaborating on something, right? Because this is an actionable audience. You'll help me, I'll help you. That's actionable. We need more of those relationships to make our dreams come true. So very, very quickly, those are the four steps And I'm going to put a, a link in the show notes to, to get that book. I know there's a workbook as well. There is. There's a, there's, there's a workbook that has the exercises in it. So you've got, you know, space to sort of write out your ideas. And if you follow the workbook at the end, you'll have your plan. If you finish some of these exercises and then kind of summarize it, you'll have, you know, your, your, your plan. And it, it takes time takes commitment, but it works 100%. It's helped thousands of people. So one of the biggest mistakes that people make when trying to more deliberately building their personal brand? The biggest mistake that people make, um, well, there's two, really. One is that they're... They're too in love with an idea and they ignore the facts that nobody really cares about it. So one example would be, a, you know, a guy came to me, he read the book and he said, well, my dream and my passion, I am an expert in autograph collecting. I've written a book about this and everybody, I have a website on this, but I can't monetize it. And well, and the answer is very simple. There's just not enough people who care. It's a very, very small niche. You know, you know, even if you're lucky and you, you know, sell your book to, you know, 500 people, that's probably a tremendous success in a, in a niche that's small. So the number one problem I see is that people follow their hobby, their, their passion. Sometimes your passion is a hobby. It needs to stay a hobby. And so I go through that in the book. The other thing, the other problem is that people, I think, sometimes they they overthink it and they they get paralyzed. And what I encourage people to do is look, you, you know, give it your best shot. Maybe you don't have it perfectly, but as you grow, your audience will tell you what they like. 
And you go, hmm, okay, I'll do more of that. And then next week you'll learn something else and you do more of that. And so you start to shift into this place where you're gaining traction. So, you know, just sort of go out there, take it, your, take your best shot and then sort of, you know, see how it, see how it goes. Those are the two big issues I see. People kind of get stuck you know, on step one uh, when it comes to the other steps. You know, if you get past step one, it goes pretty smoothly. I guess it takes some time as well to build a personal brand. Well, I mean, it, it does, you know, and, and what I recommend at least starting out is, is to think about committing five hours a week. And that seems like a lot. But the, the thing is, is that as you get into a groove, it gets easier. It gets more fun. It gets more rewarding. I mean, after about, you know, the sixth month, let's say, it, 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 it really can become a lot of fun because you see things starting to work. But you'll never get to that point unless you start, you know, unless you take that first step. Yeah. So in this changing world, we we suppose we suppose it's not just a small pause we are we are on. Things are some things are gonna stay the way that they are developing right now. Would you share some of the ways that you are thinking about changing your business? You know, my fundamental core competency is teaching. I teach in everything I do. When I'm a speaker on the stage, I'm speaking. When I do a workshop, when I do consulting, when I write my blog, when I record my podcast, I'm teaching. And so I have to rethink and sort of reevaluate how does that play out in this in this new world. So I'm still evaluating that. The other thing that I do really well is, you know, I write good books. And so I have an idea for a new book. Um, that's been a good uh, source of income for me uh, over the years. And, you know, I, I mean, this I had planned even before, yeah. you know, this this crisis. So that's part of my strategy. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not being reactive. Mm. I'm not being panicked. I'm just sort of thinking about, What am I good at and how's that going to show up in this new world? And then start looking at options. Yes, and I think that's something we can all do. I see also businesses kind of continue on the same tracks that they laid years ago, sometimes even with an unhappy entrepreneur running <laughs> that business. I'm not saying you were not happy in your business. <laughs> I'm saying I'm just saying I see that it's easier when we continue to do what was working already, but it's not necessarily always what made us the happiest or what took the bigger opportunity. So I think this is also an excellent time for for stepping back a little and, and have a look at where, yeah, well, I was almost about to say where our passion is, but in terms of how to serve. No, but, no, but I, 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 I mean, And I, I don't want to d diminish passion. No. You know, I don't. I can see how people would misunderstand that. I mean, passion is super important, and I think some of us can be very lucky. And I'm one of those that you know my passion. What, what I call it in the book is finding your sustainable interest. Yes. You know. Yes. So what do you love? But it also has to be sustainable. Yeah. Some passions are not sustainable in a business sense. Yeah. Mine is. Yeah. 
Um, and I think for a lot of us, including me, we didn't follow our passion. Our passion followed us. That's, you know, that's something that's legitimate. I, when I was a little boy, I wanted to be a baseball player. I didn't grow up thinking, oh, I want to be a digital marketing consultant someday. You know, I, I, I'm, you know, I, I want to be a writer. I want to be a speaker. You know, that, this never occurred to me till I was probably in my 30s. So my passion followed me. And that's certainly, you know, it's certainly okay to, to be that way. My very last question, your number one tip to make marketing human. And I'm, of course, referring to that non-human way of, of uh, we sometimes see in the market, like the one on LinkedIn yeah. for you today, right? <laughs> right. Well, I, I think uh, I wrote a blog post a couple weeks ago that I thought was very clever. It wasn't a very popular post, but I thought it was clever. And I used this in my speech that you saw in San Diego. It's this idea that for a lot of businesses, their human presence is like a grape lollipop. And what I mean by that is that a grape lollipop isn't really a grape. It's, you know, it's not the color of a grape. It does not the it's not the flavor of a grape. There's no grape in it, but somehow, somewhere in our past, some industrial company decided this is grape. And now we're conditioned to think if it's purple, we're gonna have this certain color, and that's grape. They've defined grape for us. But it's not grape. The same thing has happened with this idea of having a human presence on the web. People think if they slap you know, stock photos of people on their website uh, or they have a little chatbot on their site that that's a human presence. And it's not. It's a grape lollipop. That's not really human. That's not what humans do. And so my encouragement is you have to evaluate every single customer touch point and think about how do we show our faces, our real faces, our smiles, our heart, our passion, our compassion today, even our vulnerability when we're wrong, right? Companies don't do that, but that's really part of what it's like to be human. So uh, my advice would be don't be a grape lollipop. <laughs> Go out there and look at every single thing that you can do and reevaluate and consider how can we really show our, our faces and, and be be the most, be human. As I said, the subtitle, the Marketing Rebellion book is the most human company wins and it will. Yes, for sure. Thank you so much, Mark. I appreciate your time and all of your wise thinking will be interesting to see where the world will take us the next few months. Yes, it will. Stay tuned. <laughs> Fasten your seatbelts. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Mark. So that was the interview with Mark Schaefer. I bet that was some food for thoughts. In the show notes, you can find all the relevant links to connect with Mark. I also recommend that you go grab a copy of his book, Known, to help you build resilience through personal branding. And then head over and join the Facebook group, Marketing Made Human, to learn more and get the support you need on your business journey. Thank you so much for listening. In the next episode, Desiree Martinez is on the show. She is one powerful lady and we will talk of women on YouTube, the power of niching down and lots of other stuff. 
If you enjoyed the show, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And hey, could I ask you a favor? Please send me an email and let me know what else you would like to hear about on this show or who you would like me to interview. You can send it to podcast at malenebenson.com. This show is yours as much as it is mine, and we're in this together. Bye for now.